Hello and welcome to the Royal Central podcast from royalcentral.co.uk. I'm Lydia Starbuck, the Associate Editor. And I'm Brittany Barcher, the Deputy Editor. And this is our podcast looking back at the Royal Year of 2020 and what a year it's been for all the reasons we never thought of this time last year. We could never have imagined 12 months ago that we would be looking back on a year like this. And I know it's been the same for everyone around the world, the most challenging year many of us can remember for a long, long time. So we're going to have a chat about how it's affected royal life because it really has affected royal life, hasn't it? Oh, definitely. I remember back in January, we were writing an article of what we hoped to see in 2020 and what we thought we'd see. And all of that just went completely out of out the window because of the pandemic. So I'm kind of afraid to make predictions for 2021 <laughs> because I don't know what the pandemic's going to do. <laughs> we will all be a lot more cautious, won't we? Because like yeah. you say, this time last year, we were just kind of like, oh, Will we get royal babies? Will we get royal weddings? You know, we were looking ahead to Beatrice's wedding, which of course did go ahead, but in a completely different way because of the pandemic. And the change came very early on in 2020, didn't it? January, we probably were all getting on with things. By February, it was kind of creeping to everyone's consciousness. Of course, from March of this year, the royal diary has changed completely. And it kind of started, didn't it, in Sweden, because although Sweden's been criticised on a global scale, and in the last few days, the King of Sweden has even criticised his own government for their handling of the pandemic. The Swedish royal family were one of the first to start cutting engagements. They had a big gala dinner, didn't they, scheduled for the beginning of March, which was stopped because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they from very early on, they, they scaled back what they were going to do. Um, they did a lot of online video chatting. Um, and once things got really bad, the king and queen went into quarantine, I won't say quarantine, they went into isolation. Um, and everything really just fell to Crown Princess Victoria and her husband, Prince Daniel, for months. Um, we did see, obviously, Prince Carl Philip do some things. Um, and then Princess Sophia, um, she didn't undertake royal duties, but that was because she did something really special and began working at a hospital, which um, I thought was a very, very nice touch. Um, you don't really see that happening from many other royals. Um, and then it turns out you know, that she continued doing that in the fall, and now she's pregnant with her third child, and we're all happy about that. But, um, yeah, uh, yeah, they they worked hard. And then Princess Madeline, who lives here in the United States, she's not been able to go home for anything. Um, she wasn't able to celebrate Victoria Doggin with her sister, National Day, anything. I mean, she recently made a post on uh, Instagram that said that her heart was in Sweden and she hated that she wasn't able to come home. Um, her children and her, you know, they, they've not seen their grandparents in about a year. And that has to be hard. I think that's hard for not just them, but every family across the world being separated from their parents, their grandparents, and whatnot. We're all, we're all in this together, struggling and trying to get by. And that's what the royals have kind of reflected. And that's been one of the challenges of 2020 for all families across the continent, hasn't it? Because as you said, life has been affected in very dramatic ways for 
everybody. Everybody is facing challenges they could never have imagined even a few months ago. So royalty has to tread quite carefully, doesn't it? Because yes, of course, it affects them. And in the last few weeks, we've been talking about Christmas plans and we've heard the Queen's going to spend a quiet Christmas and the Cambridges might not be able to see parents. Well, they won't now because of the new restrictions that have just come in in the UK. But the royals have to be very careful that they reflect that it's happening to everybody else, don't they? And Mm -hmm. it was a very dramatic change that every royal family faced from about March onwards, because as you mentioned, older members of royal families had to go into quarantine. Suddenly, many of the monarchs of the continent had to isolate for their own health protection, Mm -hmm. and the whole royal diary changed, didn't it? It did. Um, The Queen, as we know, for months was not seen. Um, the Cambridges really stepped up because Prince Charles and the Duchess of Cornwall are in their 70s, so they're still at that age that is in the risk group. Um, in Norway, King Harold and Queen Sonia have had to go into actual quarantine twice for exposure, so that has left Crown Prince Hakon as the main person, not to mention that Harold had surgery. So... Hawkon was regent for so long this year. Um, so 2020 has definitely been the year of the air. It has, yes, because it's put that focus, like you said, King Harold's in his 80s, Queen Margaret of Denmark turned 80 this year. So again, in another high-risk group, the Queen is 94. She's 94, mm-hmm. yes, I just did the sums in my head. She's 94. Um, and then, of course, in Sweden, the King and Queen there are in their 70s. So suddenly that that kind of whole, you know, the, the, the generation that's been around for decades had no option but to go behind castle doors and the heirs that were left to pick up the pieces faced a very different royal landscape because royalty for decades across Europe has relied on being out and about and being seen and doing public engagements and that had to stop. We weren't allowed to go near anyone and suddenly they had to change everything and hit the video cameras. Mm-hmm. As the Queen has said, we have to be the queen or the queen mother. You have to be seen to be, to be believed. We have to be yeah. seen to be believed. Um, and I think some the ones that did outside of mainland Europe, we're looking at just to the UK, the Cambridges, I think, did an excellent job. You know, they were some of the first to um, go on to the video calls. They were giving out food to the carers. They participated, participated in the clap for carers. They've like what they did with um, getting the gifts for the children this year at Christmas for the NHS workers. So I think they've really done a good job and um, shined and shown people what what their potential is going to be one day when they will be on the throne. Um, I think there are some that have been true successes in this, and the Cambridges are those. And then we've had some royal families that have not fared as well, let's say. throughout the pandemics, they've not been as active. Yeah, as visible, because it, it was such a big change and such a rapid change that actually it required a really quick process of adaptation. Yeah. And of course, we know Royal Diaries are planned months in advance. So normally by December, you'd be looking at all your engagements, probably up to May or June. You know how the year's going to pan out and you know through those months that the engagements for the next half of the year will be made. But that was all ripped up virtually overnight and it that ability to adapt mm-hmm. that's really been put in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. In Japan, um, there's been a lot of complaints because they've not adapted. Um, actually, the, 
uh, emperor will be giving his first televised address on, um, I believe, New Year's Day. He did not address the Japanese public when the pandemic began, like all of the monarchs did in Europe. Um, he's he and the Empress have undertaken a few video calls, but really they've been invisible. The entire imperial family's been invisible, and there's been a lot of complaints in Japanese Japanese media, um, and pro- rightfully so. I mean, when you see other monarchies in Europe taking to social media and still being active with the people and you see your monarchy refusing to even get a social media account, you can understand their frustrations. Yeah, it, it's kind of marrying up the tradition of monarchy with what's expected now and that's how monarchies adapt and survive, isn't it? They've got to, as you say, be seen to be believed and if you have an, an elongated period where you can't be seen, it does have an effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of see the same thing in the UK, don't we? Over the last four well, decades, the Queen's cousins, Duke of Kent, Duke of Gloucester, the Duchess of Gloucester, Princess Alexandra, always done a lot of engagements. Of course, they're all in older age groups, high risk, and they are still doing video conference calls. But you kind of, usually at this point of view, you'd be looking back and saying, well, Duke of Kent, he usually does a couple of hundred engagements a year, Alexandra, a hundred or so. That's all been limited as well. So they slowly fade into the background, don't they? And the question now is, Will they come back into the forefront if we get to a situation in the coming year where we can all go out and about a bit more? Or is that when we're released from our cages? (laughs) (laughs) Whenever that may be. (laughs) But it has, it just, it's it's completely changed our life. It's changed everyone's lives and it's changed the way the royals, the royals can be seen and how they can do their job. So should we whiz around Europe? Because we've mentioned Japan's not had a great year. And actually, this time last year, we would have expected them to have had a good 2020 because we just had the amazing enthronement ceremonies where royalty from around the world have gathered in those amazing tiaras. Gosh, it seems so long ago, doesn't it? How long has it been since we've seen a tiara? It's too long. (laughs) It's been a long, 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 long time. And then, of course, there was so much hope for the new reign. And there was to be a state visit to the UK in the spring of 2020. And, and you would have expected this to have been a really good year for the Imperial House of Japan. But as you said, they're being criticised for being invisible. There's more criticism that nothing has been done about the succession. So at the moment, the Empress only child, well, no succession right. She's just floating around in the garden, posing for nice birthday photos, but facing criticism over that. Whereas royal houses in Europe that you might have thought would have a tricky in 2020, have actually flourished. Should we start with Belgium? Belgium's had a good 2020, haven't they? For the most part. Um, it's been a mixed bag. So Philippe and Matilda, it's been good. We'll come to Albert in a minute. <laughs> that, that, that was my initial thought myself. <laughs> they did get a new princess in the form of Delphine. Well, and two, a princess Delphine. And then son, so yeah. Yes, so this is, of course, King Albert finally admitting that he is the natural father of Delphine. Delphine Boel, as we used to call her, she's now Princess Delphine. She has a surname, Saxe Coburg, which I'm still not over. It just sounds so archaic. It's like, could you not find a better surname for her after everything that's happened? But it fits with the family. So Delphine, that all happened in the autumn, didn't it? But actually, the way that King Philippe and Queen Matilda reacted to it kind of underlines what a success story they've become and how they've used they're very natural, very easy way with people to the maximum over 2020 because they have had a very good year. They have. They've 
um, they've gone out where they could undertaken engagements a lot in the healthcare sector. Um, their eldest daughter, the Duchess of Brabant, who will be one day the queen there in um, Belgium, has gone into her military training. Um, they were really good about releasing photos. Uh, when she had her graduation, Philippe and Mathilde were there. Uh, and he, he was so he had, proud. It was, was, it was really moving. It was. When he was handing out the berets, and he gets to her. You could just tell. You could see it in his face that he was. He was bursting. Yeah, you, you could tell that he really just wanted to hug her. Yeah, he really but he was trying to hold it in. Um, and it was a rainy day and everything, but that didn't matter to him. His daughter was graduating. That was all that mattered. Um, but they, they've done a really good job. Um, they even went, they're the only um, royals, to my knowledge, that have actually visited a COVID ward, which I think is very impressive, that they actually went to a COVID ward to see how the Belgian military is handling the cases, the treatments, and everything like that. So, um They've really been on the forefront of being um, out there, being seen. And they also, National Day couldn't take place like it normally would. The palace usually open to where you can go in, tour it. So instead, they had it to where you could tour the palace online. And that was a good way to adapt to 2020 in this situation. So I think they did an excellent job. Yeah, so they've had they've had a good year, and she said Princess Elizabeth's had a good year because she's fast becoming a royal star in the making, isn't she? She did so well at her 18th birthday celebrations at the end of 2019, and then her military training and all of the official roles that she's taken on through 2020. She's obviously very confident, very calm, very ready for the royal life that awaits her, and the rest of the family seems very happy. Um, we haven't seen that much of Prince Laurent this year, which is probably always a good thing for King Philippe, although, of course, there have been concerns over the health of his wife, Princess Claire, because there was talk in the summer, wasn't there, that she'd been poorly for a while, but we don't know exactly what's been going on. Um, it was suspected, I think, that it might have been COVID, but that was never, never. confirmed. Um, and then Albert kind of hangs like a shadow over the whole family, which is sad for him in a way, because he was a very good king when he was king of the Belgians. He was praised for his political ability, for his ability to bring a difficult political situation together. And he, although he was never going to be as popular as his big brother, who he took over from, he had done OK. But since he abdicated, this ongoing fight that he's He's almost created by himself over the paternity of Princess Delphine has really, it's it soured his legacy a huge amount. And of course, that all came to fruition this autumn when he'd already admitted paternity, but the court said she's entitled to royal status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like you said, he really did it to himself because he was out of, did not want to admit things, um, but he was forced to. Um, but I do think that once she got the title and everything was settled down, um, Philippe had that meeting with her, which I thought was a great, great gesture. Um, obviously, Albert, Albert and Paola uh, met, which was a very nice gesture as well. Um, people have picked at the photo and we won't go into that. We all have our opinions on the photo. Well, yeah, this is, this is the photo they released, was it? So Albert and Paola welcomed Delphine. 
we say welcome. They invited Delphine to their home and there was a photograph and there was some speculation about whether Queen Paola looked as comfortable as she has looked in other photographs. I have to say I tip my hat to her. It must be, it's a big thing to welcome your, your husband's Love child with another woman into your home. And whatever's gone on in the past between all of them, she did that. So I say fair play to Paula because actually she did that for the good of her royal family. She had to do it. She did it for the good of everybody and well done to her. Yeah, yeah. And then we also found out that Prince Laurent has been in, tr in contact with Delphine for years. And that did not surprise yeah. anyone. It's just as soon as you say Laurent, you just want to put your head in your hands and go, what did I now? <laughs> I read that and um, everything makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. So much sense. <laughs> I know. There's, there's Laurent, that's, that's one person, as we've said, that it's been quite good not to hear that much about this year because he, he, never, he never leaves joy in his wake, really, does he? Oh, he's, he's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> he is in so many ways. <laughs> so Belgium overall, a good year, despite yeah. that difficulty. And actually, as we've said, Philippe and Mathilde, they've used their popularity and their ability to reach out to people to actually turn what could have been a very difficult situation into a positive one. And as we end the year, Princess Delphine has now set up her own charitable foundation, hasn't she? And we expect to see her a little bit more over the months and years to come. So we could maybe put that on our predictions list for 2021. We'll see more National Day. Delphine. Yes, she may well be there. Of course, Belgium's National Day is in the summer. It's in July, by which time we hope that we'll have some kind of return to normality. But if we hop across... Belgium's border to their neighbours in the Netherlands. That's been more of a mixed bag there, hasn't it? Maybe at the beginning of the year, you might have expected, especially Maxima, has got personality enough for 50 people, to have had another stellar year. But it's been a bit of a tricky one for the Dutch royal family. It has, and it all revolves around um, COVID and quarantine and restrictions. Uh, when they were in Greece, I believe, mm. on a vacation, or holiday, as you all call it there in holiday. the UK, um, they were photographed not abiding by the what we would call here in the US the six foot rule. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how that translates into meters, but it's uh, two they meters. Were, they keep two meters. It's two meters. Two meters. Two meters. <laughs> two meters six feet. Um, you know, taking a photo with someone, so they had to come out and apologize for that. And then a few months later, everyone's up in arms again because the country kind of goes into a lockdown, and the king and queen or on another holiday. Mm -hmm. So then they apologize. They come back. And then it turns out they came back. But supposedly the flight didn't have enough people on it. So they came back. But they left the two older daughters, Princess Amalia and Princess Alexia, there on the holiday. They did bring Princess Ariane, I believe, back with them. Yeah. She's the younger one. But that, it wasn't a good look. Even... That everyone, sh even if there was a situation where not everyone could fit on the flight, there was another flight coming the next day. That I, I don't understand why they needed to stay the full, yeah, full week. And I think as well, the question was raised. It's kind of like Amalia turned seventeen in December. Um, Alexia was fifteen by the time this holiday took place. But actually, you've got a sixteen and a fifteen-year-old, as well as Ariane, who is thirteen. I have to say, as a parent in that situation, I would kind of be right. I'm taking you two home. There's three seats, and then Dad will stay with the oldest one, and you get on the next plane. I think that's probably what raised some eyebrows, especially with with mums and dads. It's like, 
not sure if you're leaving my 16 and 15 year old by themselves I mean no they're not by themselves they've got security they've got staff around them but it's just again not a great look is it and when so much comes down to PR and when you don't have the opportunities to go out and charm people on regular engagements it suddenly gets escalated exactly yeah I think that was a bad look and um with they've not they've not really been out and about as much I think the Netherlands has had a pretty pretty straight role um and they've done a lot of video calls uh with Maxima with her job with the as the UN Secretary General's special advocate Mm -hmm. for inclusive finance but they've still not been able to go out and about as much as the other monarchs Mm -hmm within Europe. So they've not had the opportunity. And with Princess Beatrix, we we saw her in August, and mm-hmm. then we didn't see her again until December. And of course, she's in that age group, but it was very, just, it's been very quiet. I think that's the best way to describe the Netherlands. It's been very quiet. There's not been a lot of news, unless it was some controversial news. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been quiet. It I think has. quiet. That's a good way of putting it because like they 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 have been very very low key apart from controversial moments because there was a bit of a row as well wasn't there when they announced how much money Amani would be getting next year when she turns eighteen when she has to set up her own office so it's they've not had the opportunity to to kind of give us a load of positive mm-hmm. to outweigh the kind of negatives that have come in because through the year they've been really good at state visits haven't they usually you'd see them out and about on two or three state visits Maxima's wearing all the jewels and some crazy hats quite possibly all at the same time but all of that disappears and suddenly you're just left firefighting which is kind of where they are as we approach the end of 2020 as we've mentioned firefighting I suppose one of the problems the Netherlands has is it's got a very small royal family at the moment because the girls are still young there's a similar problem in Spain Really, you've only got King Felipe and Queen Letizia, but that's the least of their problems. We mentioned firefighting. <laughs> I don't know if that does justice. That's what I think that's the have had. Fuego, fuego. <laughs> it's an inferno. <laughs> the bells are ringing really, really loudly, and no one quite knows how to get out of the burning building. It is, whew, I, I can't even imagine what goes on in Palacio de Zalzuela yeah. with... I, Oh, um, you cannot blame Queen Leticia for like going on a trip to Honduras. <laughs> she she <laughs> needed out of Spain for just a couple of days. I mean, get a head shot. Yeah, Juan Carlos. Yes, it it has been. Well, where do we start? I mean, we say at the end of every year, it's been a difficult year for the Spanish royal family. They'll be hoping for better times in the year to come. It's never been truer this year. I don't know if they're going to get their better times because really, even since before the pandemic started, the big issue for the Spanish royal family has been, as you said, King Juan Carlos, the allegations over his, what's delicately described as financial irregularities. (laughs) I mean, there's so much going on there. There are so many different claims and allegations, all of which he denies. No charges have been pressed. We have to say all of that at the very beginning. But if just look at the damage it's done to the image of the royal family, that's immense. It goes all the way back to just before lockdown hit Spain in March of 2020. Felipe renounced his personal inheritance from his father. He cut his father's allowances. And that was the good bit. It got so much worse after that. If only it had stopped there. (laughs) It didn't. It It was like someone said, vamos, vamos, vamos. 
Actually, that's what Juan Carlos said as he left the UK. Vamos, vamos, vamos. He did. It just kept on growing and growing in intensity. So we had that move in March. Of course, Spain went into a very severe lockdown. It was a country, one of the countries in Europe most heavily affected by coronavirus, especially in the first wave. It had an absolutely terrible time. Um, But also, as it emerged from that first wave, there began to be political whispers which turned into a louder clamour for some kind of reform of the monarchy because of the intense scrutiny over Juan Carlos's finances. And then, of course, as you said at the beginning of August, the news that no one expected at the beginning of 2020, King Juan Carlos, the man who ruled Spain for four decades, who almost shaped it in his own image, he's an integral figure in the history of Spain. He brought them democracy after a fascist dictator. And then on August the 3rd, we found out he'd left and he'd gone by the time they announced it. Mm-hmm. And it was a massive shock to Spain. I mean, it, he, it, was, it was just huge, wasn't it? He left him. It was huge on an international scale. But in Spain, this man who had been so integral to the whole country, all these shadows over him, and he went. He was gone. And for two weeks, no one knew where he was. And then it turned out, everything that has been going on with the financial situation has involved Saudi Arabia. Yes, one uh, of the big allegations involved the Middle Saudi, East. Yeah, the Middle, Middle East. What's to say the Middle East? Yeah. Well, then it, it comes out that King Juan Carlos has decided that he will uh, spend his time in Abu Dhabi in the Middle East, mm. which does not seem like the, the most... It's not the, a brilliant idea to go to the area that you are being accused of taking money from. You know, I had thought maybe he had gone to somewhere in South America, Argentina, or uh, maybe not not Brazil, but uh, Colombia, somewhere. But so many links between Spain and the Spanish-speaking parts of South America, and of course he's got a lot of links there. And there was there were rumours, weren't there, at the beginning, he'd gone to Portugal, which is where his family lived in exile when he was a young child. But, you know, it was, it was Abu Dhabi. Of all places. <laughs> we had to wonder what they were thinking with the UAE, but we will never know. We will never know. He's still there at the moment. As December began, there were rumours, quite heavy rumours in the Spanish press that he wanted to come back for Christmas. They've now been scotched, he said, because of the coronavirus pandemic. And he's 82 and he's been in extremely poor health on and off for a number of years. It wouldn't be safe for him to travel. Um, But also he would be flying back into a turbulent political situation because Spain's government, which is a coalition between the socialist PSOE and the even more left-wing Podemos party, they have raised questions about the future of the monarchy. Podemos in particular, they've never made any secret of the fact they want a republic and there has been a lot of pressure about changing the monarchy, changing its role, even questions about whether it can survive. So King Felipe's Christmas speech this year is going to be very interesting. We're doing a review of 2020, recording it just before the Christmas speech is made. Of course, everything could have changed by the end of the year. Exactly. And Lydia will be the one covering this Christmas speech. Uh, so well, I'm forward to it. I should be she, sat she, there with my mince pie and my cup of tea ready. <laughs> and I will be watching too. 
Well, both me. Oh my goodness me. Well, there is a lot of pressure on Philippe in the Spanish press at the moment because the government minister at the end of kind of the, the last week of December or the middle week of December said they expected some kind of reference to Juan Carlos and that Felipe had been a very rigorous, upstanding monarch and they expected that to be reflected in his comments. So we will see. But yes, a difficult year and one that promises to kind of be reflected in the year to come. We should say at this point that Felipe and Letizia did have a very successful summer. Um, once the first wave of the pandemic was over, they went on a mini tour all around Spain, didn't they? They visited every single part of the country, all the different autonomous regions to show their support for the rebuild of the economy and of tourism. And that was very well received. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it was. Um, they were actually due for a state visit to the United States in April, but that had to be postponed as well. Every cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's postponed. <laughs> Everything's postponed. But yes, and the girls had a good year as well, didn't they? Leonor and Sophia have, have also seen their popularity increase. So yeah, not a great year. Shall we shall we have a little chat about another monarch who's had a mixed bag of a year? Elizabeth II. She's ending on a more positive note than she began because I suppose we have to come to one of the big royal stories of the year, and it was a big royal story before COVID was really in our consciousness. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex stepping back as senior royals obviously changed the landscape of the British royal family hugely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. With Prince Charles, we have known that he had planned for a slimmed down monarchy and that had been thought to be his sons and their spouses. Well, now that's been flipped on its head. What? Who's going to step in? Um, and we have seen the Earl and Countess of Wessex kind of appear um they're they're less controversial they sophie's really never put a foot really out of line um and so they may be the new four as they've said because the yorks are not well she said the duke of york is he's he, he won't we're be never going to see andrew again are we i mean let's face no. it again it's it's not been a great year for andrew of his own making in November of 2019, he gave that disastrous interview trying to clear up the um, accusations that hovered around him because of his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. It just made everything a lot worse. And of course, this year we've seen Ghislaine Maxwell arrested. Um, and it's obviously that controversy continues. Andrew's gone really into hiding. He lives somewhere on the Windsor estate. We just see grainy pictures of him through a car screen carving screen as he drives in and out we didn't even see a photograph of him at his daughter's wedding so he's kind of he's been completely shoved out of the spotlight so it does mean really it's down to Ed and Sophie doesn't it because Anne does her own thing I mean she she must be fuming I know she loves being out and about and it has been a really really difficult year for her she find it intensely frustrating something she reflected when she gave that interview for her 17th birthday how frustrating it was not to be out and about doing her job the job that she's very good at but looking to the future she did turn 70 this year and Charles needs slightly younger people to take on the mantle doesn't he and that's where Edward and Sophie come in because there is that gap with the Sussexes going mm-hmm. and we've had discussions as well of uh, Princess Eugenie has obviously the great news that she's expecting her first oh. child um, but she has uh, was named the royal patron of an organization and that made People start wondering, you know, is she, she going to be a working royal? Is it, you know, is her uncle going to bring her into the fold as a younger, younger face, and maybe her sister too, hmm. to kind of take up the roles that 
it's lost from their father, their father, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, and the elder royals that, as we were saying earlier, the Kents, uh, Princess Alexandra, who used to be a Kent, um, all of them, you know, kind of fading into the background. So, you know, will we see the York girls finally stepping into the spotlight? Because mm. it is, it's a pressing question that's been left open and it's one that's going to occupy the royal family, the British royal family, for the next year or so because we know the Sussexes won't be coming back as senior members of the royal family. At some point in early 2021 we're expecting a review of what was called the Sandringham Summit because of course it seems an eternity ago, doesn't it? But in January, this was the big royal story, they made that announcement like just about 10 to 6 after a really busy royal day, I think. I think I remember messaging everyone going, really? Now? Just because we've just done so much. <laughs> just like, and then, oh, we'll just keep on doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think when they, we had much sleep that night. It was just a bam. <laughs> it was. It was just so much going on. But then, of course, there was that, every, the world watching Sandringham and what's going to happen and all this speculation. Of course, it was all dealt with in the end in a very low-key way. The Queen issued her statement showing her support for Harry and Meghan. But they would step back and Harry lost his military appointments and they're not to use the royal title. But they have gone to America. They're now established quite happily in a family home. And we've just seen in recent days Archwell, their foundation, make its first announcement about what it will be doing in the future. So the dust is settling. But of course, it does leave many questions. And you mentioned Beatrice. Of course, it was meant to be a glorious year for Beatrice. She was going to have a big royal wedding at St. James's uh, Palace and a, a reception at Buckingham Palace, all cancelled because of COVID. And then she went and pulled a great big surprise. She managed to organise a royal wedding without any of us knowing until it happened. But it was a lovely wedding. It was. Um, I'm glad that she was able to have have her special day, even though COVID has, like we've said over and over, has made everything different. Um, and I love that she had the big, had a big tiara. Uh, so we'd have had a tiara. This <laughs> is our one tiara this year. <laughs> uh, but I love that she wore the same one that her that the queen wore at her wedding. I thought that was a really sentimental, sentimental touch. Um, and it was private, low key, but fitting for the, for the times that everybody's been going through. And I thought you could feel the queen's hand on that wedding because the queen is obviously the longest ruling monarch in British history. She, she knows how to do the job. And actually she turned what was a very small wedding in a country church into a royal affair by, like you say, sharing the tiara. She gave Beatrice one of her vintage gowns to be converted into her wedding dress. The official photo was Beatrice with the Queen. And so the Queen gave it that royal boost, didn't she? Andrew, nowhere to be seen. Fergie, nowhere to be seen. We know they were there. This right. was about the Queen and her granddaughter. Mm -hmm. And the pride that she had for her granddaughter which was the boost that Beatrice needed, because obviously whatever her father is involved in, this ongoing situation, it's not her fault. It's not Eugenie's fault. She said Eugenie's got great expectations of her own, a new baby arriving in the new year. And we ended 2021 with some more baby news. Sadly, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex lost the child they were expecting, and there was a huge outpouring of sympathy for both of them, understandably, because it was a very difficult situation and one that they tried to share to help other people, and I think that support was appreciated by many in similar situations. And then just as 2020 was coming to an end, we found out that Zara, who has experienced miscarriage herself in the past, will become a parent again. 
because her, her, two, her two daughters will get a little sister or brother, and Micah said he wants a boy, though I'm sure he'll be quite happy with a girl, but he is outnumbered. And that, again, that means the Queen will get two more great grandchildren at least in 2021. Mm-hmm. And I think she's the more the merrier. She she's, seems to be a very family-oriented woman, so um, she, I think she'll be very happy to, to have two new members of the family and Prince Philip as well. And it'll help put some of the controversies because it's, it's been a mixed bag. I think I think looking at it, the House of Windsor ends on a higher note than it began 2020. There was a bit of controversy in the autumn. The, the series four of The Crown came out and some people thought it was real. I personally, my opinion is that, you know what, if you need someone to tell you a drama isn't real life, I don't know why you're being allowed to plug a TV in by yourself. However, I understand. <laughs> you just kind of think, really? Like, it's it's not even Prince Charles. Why do you think all of this is true? But, you know, obviously there's controversy about the way that Charles, Camilla and Diana's relationship was represented in that programme. Charles had kind of... He's been more high profile towards the end of the year. Of course, he had COVID. He was poorly. He was in isolation. They went to live in Scotland, didn't they? So, as we as we head into a new year, you can feel the you can feel the pieces moving on the board, can't you? With the winter, mm-hmm. there's change afoot. If we hop over to your favourite monarchies, Norway, Denmark, and of course, what's the other one? Beshni? Oh, Sweden. Yeah, you quite like Sweden, don't you? <laughs> just just a little. I like my Scandinavian monarchies. Teeny tiny bit. As you said, in those three countries, the focus this year has been on the next generation. So on Crown Princess Victoria, who's in her early 40s, on Crown Prince Frederick in his early 50s, and on Hartmann, who's kind of in that, that middling, he's born in the same year as me, that kind of middling, middling 40-ish period where no one really cares about you. Except they care about him because he's going to be the king of the Norway one day. But it's it's been a year where they've led their monarchies more than ever before, hasn't it? Because Queen Margaret, we were going to get all the tiaras. Mm-hmm. In April, oh, she, to that. she was she celebrated her 80th birthday in April. In the end, it was very low key and very discreet. We had some nice official photographs of her with Frederick and with his son Christian. And she, that's why you've got to love Queen Margaret. On her birthday, she appeared in her dressing gown as her staff sang happy birthday to her. It's like the Queen of Denmark is just quite possibly the coolest monarch in the world because she does things like that. But Frederick had to step in a lot for Margaret because she just couldn't be out and about at the age of 80. And as you mentioned, with Hakon and with Victoria, in Scandinavia, it really is the next generation coming to the fore more than ever before. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think that the most apparent place that has been Norway because of Harold's illnesses. He's not been in the best of health this year. Um, Norway actually did have a state visit. They did travel to Jordan right before everything hit the fan with COVID, um, which was a great visit. They were with the King and Queen of Jordan. They saw the baptism site of Jesus. Um, and then they came back and it was announced they had to go into isolation because of rules in Norway if you had traveled outside the country. And so... They had that situation, and then Håkon was undertaking engagements. And during that time, he was there with the Council of State in person while his father would call in on the phone. Well, at the time, not long afterwards, King Harold has a heart procedure, and he's out of commission for a while. So Håkon is... Yeah, that was most uh, of the autumn, wasn't it? Because Harold suddenly was taken to hospital in September and we didn't know what was going on with him for a couple of days, did we? And then, yeah, really from September to the beginning of November, he was out of action. So it has been Hawkon 
he hasn't, of course, he's had the, her support behind the scenes, but because she has pulmonary fibrosis with her breathing issues already, she couldn't be out and be exposed to COVID. So it's really been him. Um, whereas in Denmark, Frederick had Mary, mm-hmm. who's helped him with different engagements and things. But Denmark, Denmark also had a health with Joachim. Marie and their family are currently living in Paris, um, but he had to have brain a brain operation. Um, so that was that was a scare for all of them. Frederick flew to France to visit his brother. I'm sure he did that as Marguerite could not mm-hmm. due to health reasons and traveling. Um, and then, of course, Prince Christian was diagnosed with COVID not too long ago. Um, it appeared that he was asymptomatic. The rest of the family did not test positive. They just released their yearly Christmas greetings that we have on the site. Um, so it's, it's, been, it's been a good year overall for both Norway and Denmark. And then in Sweden, it's been a great year, as we were talking about at the beginning, with um, yes, the Nobels have been canceled, so we didn't get the big gala dinners. We didn't get the National Day. Uh, but still, they, they found ways to still be out and about with Victoria giving a tour of the castle or the Stockholm Palace on National Day for everyone. So I think, you know, they've done the Scandinavian monarchies. It's been a success for all three. It has, has it? They've had a successful year. Shall we finish with perhaps the most successful royal moment of 2020 the birth of future monarch in Luxembourg because for years and years and years the heir to the throne Guillaume and his wife Stephanie have faced questions when are you going to start a family and in May this year they welcomed their son little Prince Charles and they have been fantastic at sharing his early months haven't they we feel like we've lived them with Charles who is the most gorgeous adorable little happy pumpkin of a baby Mm -hmm. but it's been obviously it's dynastically important because the succession in the direct line is now secure in Luxembourg but it's just been a a supremely happy time for a very popular couple Mm -hmm. I think when you know his birth was announced and Guillaume came out and he gave an address to the press in Luxembourgish French and then in English. He, you could, he was so happy. I, I've never seen somebody so happy. Like he was almost jumping up and down as he's telling the press about the birth of his child. And you're just, as I was telling you earlier, you know, I get so happy when I see pictures of them with that baby because yeah. you, if they just radiate joy. Like, that baby is so loved. And I'm not saying that other babies, other royal babies are not loved, because they most definitely are. But it's just, you you can tell that he was a baby that has been longed for. Yeah. And that they are just so thankful that he is here and he is healthy. And I think that's what makes it so special. It really does, doesn't it? It's been a very, very special year for the Luxembourg royal family. Of course, they'd faced their difficulties in 2019. It'd been a hard year for them. And some of that controversy has continued to follow them around. The Waringo report, obviously questions about um, behaviour at the royal court and changes are still going on at the top level. Of course, Luxembourg is ruled by Grand Duke Henri, his wife, Grand Duchess Maria Theresa. Some of her actions have been questioned in quite a public way. Um, They've had a much lower key role 
this year. We haven't really seen that much of them, if we're honest. And that is perhaps surprising given that Omri marked the 20th anniversary of his reign in October of this year. It's a jubilee, of course, a jubilee that's taking place in challenging circumstances. But the face of the Luxembourg royal family has been Guillaume, Stephanie and baby Charles. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that could be because of what happened last year. Um, they're really trying to put the focus on the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a safe, safe way to go. Um, everyone loves a, the birth of a baby to see such a happy, happy family. And um, so I think I think that's been a smart play by the Grand Ducal Court. A very smart play. And, one, and no one has minded it. Everyone no, has enjoyed it. Exactly. And it just shows what we were talking about right at the very beginning. Like you said, you have to be seen to be believed. And actually... Sending us potty in a happy way with these endless, gorgeous photographs of, of a new royal baby has worked wonders, hasn't it? Because it's it's changing the narrative. As you said, the future is now this young family. And who knows what we will see in 2021. We'll cover it all on royalcentral.co.uk, along with all the Christmas speeches, which may or may not change things to be quiet in Spain. We've, we've recorded the podcast now. <laughs> Don't do anything too revolutionary. We'll be keeping a very close eye on on all of that. And you'll find all of it on the site and on our Instagram, which is royal.central. There's always plenty of royal content on there as well. We'll have um, more podcasts for you in 2021. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. And happy Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas and happy, healthy New Year.